0: Okay, I'm good. Let's
1: go! Hello and welcome to the Intentional Grounding Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Noah Downs and I am sort of joined by my co-host Luke Bisson today. Um, So you could really say that this podcast, this particular one, the one that you are currently listening to, is episode 18, version 4. Now, let me tell you exactly what happened. So, we recorded the first version of episode 18 while we were doing our live draft for our listeners league. Unfortunately, we ran into technical difficulties. Those technical difficulties being that Google Hangouts updated how they record their live sessions about two hours before the draft, and we couldn't figure that out. So, round two came up last week when we tried to record a recap of our Listener's League. So that went pretty well up until the point where we realized that JoJo's laptop had died, and he was the one that was recording everything, and therefore we lost everything up to about 20 minutes into the podcast. So we have a lot of great outtakes from that, but nothing worth posting just yet. Be on the lookout for an outtake pod coming up sometime soon. And finally, Luke and I were able to get together last night without JoJo, because JoJo is still unpacking, getting his house ready from his move. But Luke and I were able to get together, and we were able to record, and we recorded for between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. Perfect podcast. It was amazing. I'm not going to say it was the best pod ever, but it was pretty good. And then I wake up this morning to go to edit it, to get it to all your wonderful, wonderful ears, and the file is corrupted. So now Luke and I said, listen... We need to do a podcast, a full-length podcast, because we're getting you content through Grounding on the Go, and we're getting you content through uh, spin moves that Luke is putting out, but we need to get a full-length podcast. So today's podcast is going to be Luke, me talking to you a little bit about how to get ready week to week in your fantasy league. That includes waiver wire, how to determine which player to start, and whatnot, Then you're going to hear Luke for a little bit. Luke's going to talk about his rankings for week one. And then he's also going to talk about some questions that I had about those rankings for week one. That way he has a little discussion with himself. You know, it's Luke. He's a little crazy. So discussing stuff with himself is perfectly fine. And then you're going to come back to me. And I'm going to answer some questions that we we received between the last podcast that we published and this one. Uh, So without further ado... I am Noah Downs, and I'm about to take you on a journey. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not really. But the journey of every week in the life of a fantasy football player. So when I go into a typical uh, uh, week, I first start on Tuesday morning after the Monday night football game. And what I do is I sit there and I cry if I've lost. Uh, I laugh maniacally if I've won. Or I call Luke and I say, Luke, how do people still tie in fantasy football if I've tied? Um, I know tying does occasionally occur, but it happens less and less as I'm switching more over towards uh, leagues that have partial points. So after I've gone through that wave of emotions, and really I'm just a wreck, uh, I go ahead and I start submitting waiver claims. I start examining who's available on the waiver um, And part of that waiver process involves setting my lineup for the following week. So at that point, I will look at the lineup I have, see if anybody's injured, see if there's anybody on bye, see if there's anybody who's up against a really tough matchup, and I might want to look elsewhere. And then I see what holes I need to fill, and I fulfill waiver claims. Now, if you have first-come, 1st serve waivers open all the time, where you just add a player, I would be ready to do this aspect as soon as those open. So it could be as early as 5 o'clock on that Tuesday morning. If you don't want to get up at 5 o'clock, well, all right, that's fine. I guess you're just not committed. I'm kidding. Um, so I submit those waiver claims, get ready to prepare my team for any deficiencies it might have coming up. After those waiver claims are complete, I've set the line up. Kind of coast a little bit. I check it every day, see if there's any news coming out. I check to make sure the projections haven't changed. Finally, a projection will come out from some fancy fantasy football analyst that isn't named Noah. And I'll look at that projection, and if it is completely against what I think that player is going to get, I'll sit down and figure out why I think that player is going to go off that week when someone else thinks he's going to get no points. Or the opposite. And I'll see if maybe there's something wrong with my understanding. However, if, if say, for instance, you have Golden Tate and he's projected to get six points, and uh, I think Golden Tate's probably going to get you know maybe eight points. I don't really question it. I'm going to start Golden Tate if he's got a good matchup. Then you have rankings coming out. Luke does rankings. I do weekly rankings. I don't publish my weekly rankings, but Luke will be publishing his weekly rankings, and he's actually going to... Jump to that after I'm done talking here. Um, and so you'll go to these weekly rankings put out by Matthew Berry and RotoViz and Yahoo and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you don't, if these rankings kind of match up with your understanding and your lineup, again, I look at that and I say, okay, good. I, yes, Antonio Brown's number one this week, of course. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, yep, I'm going to start him. My fringe players is where rankings will either decide if somebody's on the edge for me or not. Um, and so if I have a flex player that I'm like, oh, should I start Darren Spoles or Danny Woodhead in then my flex this week, rankings might sway it. But in the end, I, sh- I go with my own rankings. And then once I get those rankings set, we have Thursday night football. Now, Thursday night football can be difficult because if you have a player that is playing Thursday night and or playing, rather, on Sunday or on Monday night that your only other option is on Thursday night. Like, if you have a tight end on Thursday and a tight end on Monday, and your tight end on Monday is questionable, then I think you have to do a little bit more research. And so what I do is I try and lock in who I have to lock in for that game. Uh, But generally, I try and avoid Thursday night games because I do stick to the superstition that Thursday night games don't score as much. So... Go through Friday, checking on my remaining players. Go through Saturday. Hopefully, my remaining players have cleared injury if they're in concussion protocol or something. If not, I take them out of my lineup. If I have a player who is still lingering, I'm going to flag them to make a note, flag to look at for stuff on Sunday. On Sunday, I wake up, I have a cup of coffee, and I take to Twitter. Now, just a heads up. For all you listeners out there, at GroundingFF and at intentional, g- intentional underscore G, that's my Twitter and Luke's Twitter, will be a repository for all these wonderful fantasy football updates on Sunday morning. We will be posting our own stuff. We'll be retweeting other content. We want you to have a one-stop shop with us. So we'll give you the updates as they come. And Luke will also attempt to put out a spin moves around noon on Sunday with major updates, if it's necessary. If it's only like, oh, Devin Hester's going to play today, who cares? It's Devin Hester. He's one of the best returners in the in the history of the league, so nobody sent me hate mail because of Devin Hester. But I'm not going to update you on it unless for some reason he's in, he is in a starting role. So then the games start, and that is how the week goes. That's really all I got for you. Um, it's, it's an arduous process, but it's a lot of fun. That's why we do this, and uh, it's, you know, it's what I do. If you have any questions about my process, feel free to email us at intentionalgroundingff at gmail.com or tweet at me with your agreement, disagreement, or meh nah, at, uh, at groundingff on Twitter. Now, I'm going to throw it over to Luke. Uh, he's going to talk to you about rankings, and uh, then he's going to take a pause. And he's going to come back and he's going to answer some questions that I wrote to him about his rankings. And then he's going to pause. And then you're going to hear my sweet dulcet tones again. And I'm going to answer a question uh, from one of our listeners. So without further ado, here's Luke. Hey everyone,
0: this is Luke Bisson with Intentional Grounding. And uh, I'm going to go over my rankings real fast, but before I do... Really quick on the off chance this does get out before the games that happen on, uh, or the game, I should say, that happens on Thursday uh, with Carolina and Denver. Um, my rankings state that I have Cam at number seven overall. Um, uh, four QBs, I have at running back, I have C.J. Anderson at 14, Jonathan Stewart at 18. Uh, I have uh, lopsided wide receivers where only Denver guys are on the list. At 16 is Demarius Thomas. And it makes me sad to say that he's this low because I feel his ceiling's higher, but at 36, I have uh, Sanders. And uh, then for tight ends, I have uh, Greg Olson at 6 overall. Moving into the uh, segment that I'm doing here, uh, first things first, I am going to go through all of my rankings really quick, and then I'm going to then discuss as far as you know, a few questions that I received on those rankings, and then uh, anything else that uh, uh, Noah puts on his end. Uh, Obviously, we are not doing it together this week. We had more technical issues doing our podcast last night. We uh, lost the file. And so to make sure that we're getting something out for you guys, we are going to do our part separate today due to time constraints and uh, scheduling conflicts. So without... Any further ado, let's take a look. We'll start with the QBs. Uh, My QB rankings I have Andrew Luck, number one overall against Detroit. I have Aaron Rodgers at two. Then it goes Breeze, Wilson, Derek Carr at five, and that's only because of the New Orleans defense. Uh, Normally, in a normal week, I would think that he'd be closer to the uh, lower half of the first, you know, being a a QB one. But this week, I think it's positional er, or situational as to why he's going to. Do as well as he is. Uh, same thing with Matthew Stafford. I have him at six. Uh, Cam Newton against Denver. is um, a Very, very good defense. That's why he's all the way down at seven. Uh, Big Ben versus Washington. I have him at eight. Uh, then I have Carson Palmer, Blake Bortles, Eli Manning, Kirk Cousins, Tyrod Taylor I have at 13, Jameis Winston at 14, and then Alex Smith rounds out my top 15 at quarterback. Uh, going into my running backs, I have Gurley, AP, D'Angelo Williams, David Johnson. I have Spencer Ware at number five because of San Diego's lack of having uh, a rush de- or run defense. Uh, then I have Zeke against the Giants at six. Lamar Miller at Chicago is seven. Then I also have. I have Mark Ingram at 8, Doug Martin at 9, and Devontae Freeman rounds out the top 10. Uh, I wanted to get uh, my number 11 guy, McCoy, a little higher, but it was hard to fit him in. But I have LaShawn McCoy at 11. I have Eddie Lacy at 12 because he's against Jacksonville. and Jacksonville's defense, this is going to be... uh, you know, I, I feel that Jacksonville's defense, although it took a lot of steps in the offseason for getting the guys, now it's going to take them time to to gel and figure out what's going on. I don't expect them to come out against a potentially potent offense like Green Bay and be able to you know, be busters or anything. So uh, I have him there, and then after that I have uh, Ryan Matthews against Cleveland at 13, uh, C.J. Anderson versus Carolina's offense at 14, Uh, Latavius Murray, uh, Carlos Hyde, Rashad Jennings, Jonathan Stewart, Frank Gore at Detroit um, is 19. Melvin Gordon uh, versus Kansas City is 20. Uh, Then I have uh, Christine Michael at 21. Now that could drop a little bit depending on... It sounds like Rawls is going to get some play time, so they could go into more of a committee thing, so he may drop back a little bit. But currently... Uh, with it while everything is still a haze, he's still up there. Uh, DeMarco Murray, for me, is at 22. Matt Forte, again, Cincinnati, is 23. And for me, it's more so because I don't trust uh, them not to go more committee with uh, the Bilal Powell being there. Now, Kyrie Robinson is officially gone, uh, and yeah, he re-injured his leg and whatnot. So they may decide to leave Bilal Powell back a little bit more as the backup, so that way, you know, they have someone there in case Forte goes down. But I'm not sure. After that, we have Duke Johnson, 24 overall. we got Philly and uh, TJ Yeldon. So we're getting into an area on my list where you're seeing a lot of uh, guys that could be considered in a committee where they may be seeing 60-40 shares. So these are the guys that if you're in PPR, which All of these rankings are for PPR. If you're in a PPR setup, these are the guys that can get you a little bit more because they're catching passes out of the backfield too. So you have your Matt Fortes. Now, uh, Bilal Powell can do the same thing, but in a pinch, I would imagine Matt Forte is just going to go with it. Duke Johnson, like I said, is at 24. TJ Yeldon is at 25. And Amir Abdullah is at 26. Now, The word is is that Amir Abdullah uh, may be on some form of a pitch count for whatever reason, whether it's injury-related or just because they want to get other guys out there, uh, like Theo Riddick. So he could go down too, uh, but as of right now, that's where I have him. At 27 overall is uh, Giovanni Bernard, and then at 28 I have Arian Foster, and more so for me that's because he's going against Seattle, and I... I don't know if I trust um, a, a thirty or you know thirty plus on an Achilles injury coming back. Twenty uh, ninth overall for me is Jeremy Langford. Uh, thirty is Jeremy Hill, the second part of that Cincinnati group, and then finally at thirty one, I do have one more. It's Charles Sims, just because I think Charles Sims against Atlanta could do pretty well. Uh, let's see. Now we're gonna go to wide receiver. And wide receiver, Antonio Brown is my number one for obvious reasons. He's going against Washington, and he's really the only guy that is there except for Eli Rogers uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, Sammy Coates is not appearing to come out as we were hoping. Uh, number two is Julio Jones. Then I have OBJ at three, mainly in those two for me. Uh, are gonna be up high and they're gonna. Be, it's one or the other every week. Basically, it just kind of like depends on the uh, matchup they're getting. I do have uh, New Hopkins DeAndre Hopkins at number four against Chicago, and then I have Amari Cooper uh, at number five. Mike Evans at number six. I think if Mike Evans is going to have a good year, if this is going to be the year that he takes off, then it's got to start in Atlanta where they have. Not a great defense, and that's kind of being nice. Um, uh, number seven for me is Allen Robinson. Then I have T. Y. Hilton, Brandon Marshall, and A. J. Green rounding out the top ten. Uh, Brandon Marshall had a full practice, and so it looks like he's back from that hip injury. So I think we'll we're, we'll be fine. Uh, from as far as looking at uh, T. Y. Hilton, this is his ceiling for me. Um, so I'm hoping that luck comes back, and these. Silly reports of him, you know, having afraid. I say was afraid. Labrum. I I, I I don't understand where all of these things are coming from. But uh, if in fact he does not have said thing, we could easily see uh, Ty Hilton uh, be number eight overall with with the little issue. Uh, go moving on from there. Number 11 for me is Sammy Watkins. Number 12 is Jordy Nelson. Uh, I'm still waiting to make sure that Jordy is going to be playing uh, a full go. Uh, and if he does, I expect him to be there because against Jacksonville, it's going, you know, it's they're going to come out throwing the ball to try to get ahead. At least that's what I would expect them to do against Jacksonville because Jacksonville also has the ability to throw the ball. So it, I, th- I think this is going to be a pretty high-scoring game in all honesty. Uh, and, but it's going to take two quarterbacks uh, actually being on their game to make that happen. Number 13 for me is Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, 14 is Des Bryant. He's that low just because he's got Dak Prescott throwing to him, uh, which for those of you who like Dak Prescott, uh, I only went down 15, but trust me, he's in my low 20s. Um, Keenan Allen is 15 for me. Demaryius Thomas is 16. Then it goes Moncrief, uh, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb at 19. And then Jeremy Macklin to round out to top 20. Uh, From there, it goes on Golden Tate, Michael Floyd, who I think is going to have an excellent year this year. So Michael Floyd may be climbing for me. We'll have to see, though. Uh, Doug Baldwin at 23. Jarvis Landry, Jordan Matthews. Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Crabtree, Eric Decker, Marvin Jones, and then Deshaun Jackson against Pittsburgh is my number 30. Uh, 31 for me is Tyler Lockett. And then my last 10 go Alan Hearns, Willie Sneed, Stefan Diggs, Julian Edelman at 35, Emmanuel Sanders at 36, John Brown at 37, Tory Smith, at 38. Corey Coleman, a Cleveland receiver, finally makes the board at 39. Tavon Austin, St. Louis is represented at 40. And then finally, Mike Wallace of Buffalo makes the list. I'm sorry, of Baltimore makes the list going against Buffalo at 41. To round up this list of rankings, uh, we're gonna go through the tight ends real quick, for which I only have 12 because it was really hard getting to 12. Uh, the issue that I have is that there's too many question marks and the guys that are, there's some really not good tight ends right now. So it's really hard to sit there and put any of them in front of the other. So for me, obviously Gronk is number one. However, the newest reports coming out today say that, um, his ish, he is not a hundred percent and. He, is, he himself said that he is week to week. So, Jordan Reed may be jumping up to number one before you know we get to the weekend. But for right now, Gronk remains. Jordan Reed is second. Travis Kelsey is third going against San Diego. Kobe Fleener, it was hard putting him this high because he is having quote-unquote issues uh, in New Orleans' camp. You know, getting down the offense and whatnot. However... Oakland last year was just the place for tight end production, you know, opposing tight end production. So we're going to find out really quick here one of two things. Either he is going to get it or he's not, and then we have to figure out if it's his fault or if it's because Oakland decided to learn how to defend against tight ends. Um, then I have Gary Barnage at number five or, uh, yeah, number five, uh, against Philly. I just feel that's going to be, uh, you know, it's a nice, safe place for RG to drop off. We'll see if that happens, though. Greg Olson, for me, is number six. He would be higher, but it is against Denver's defense. Delaney Walker is number seven, and he is against Minnesota. Then it goes Zach Ertz, which is eight. Now, I've heard... There's a there's a, a narrative out there that Ertz will be more of something because the rookie tight end Carson Wentz is starting against Cleveland, and that'll be his safety blanket. Well, I expect them to run two tight end sets for one. And two. Uh I we only saw thirty-nine snaps all preseason. He, Carson Wentz has taken thirty-nine snaps in the NFL. And so it's gonna be interesting to see how far along his process is when it comes to getting NFL ready from college to the NFL. Uh so I don't know if I put stock in Ertz right now. He may be good for you to have later in the season, maybe even next year. But for the time being, I cannot uh put any kind of confidence into that then after that, number nine for me is Dwayne Allen. Now, once again, this is a guy who did not produce a lot last year. as a matter of fact, in probably a third of my dynasty leagues, he was sitting on the waiver in way, way, way into the um, uh, off season. So I mean, as a matter of fact, I just tried to pick him up in two of these two of my dynasty leagues uh, in the past week. Uh, when waivers were going to clear, and I lost out on both, unfortunately, but people were extremely overpaying for them with their FAB budget, so more power to them. Uh, number 10 for me is Antonio Gates. Number 11 for me was Julius Thomas. And finally, number 12 is Jason Witten, and that's just because from there on out, it's you know a huge, huge question mark. So with those rankings out of the way, uh, we're going to pause for a minute here, and when we come back, I'll go through some of the questions I got for it. Thanks a lot, guys.
1: Hello, listeners. Take a second and check out our title apparel sponsor, Savage, the ultimate apparel company. They killed a jersey game for sports teams around the country, and their branded merchandise has some serious flavor. With both national and local level partnerships among a variety of sports, including football, soccer, ultimate frisbee, disc golf, dodgeball, quidditch, and more, they're ready to get you the gear you need. Savage produces brand and customizable apparel for the active lifestyle, and you need to check them out as they're offering an exclusive coupon code to our listeners to get 15% off online purchases. Use coupon code T D. That is that is W-O-O-K-I-E-T-D, at www.savageultimate.com to get some awesome new gear and if you don't see something you like they've got full custom options to get you exactly what you need also stay tuned for some exclusive intentional grounding gear made by Savage to be released in the future again don't forget to use coupon code TD. that's W-O-O-K-I-E T-D at www.savageultimate.com to get 15% off your online orders <laughs> Hey guys, Uh, first off,
0: welcome back. Uh, Thank you for sticking with us through our um, uh, (laughs) technical difficulties. Uh, Hopefully uh, next week, during week two, we can do better. Uh, Right now I'd like to go over, one, two, three, maybe six questions real quick regarding the uh, rankings that I have uh, gone over in the first segment. Uh, all of these were actually submitted by Noah uh, when he uh, first got the rings from me. He he definitely had some questions, as I'm sure you all may. So let's see if I can start here. And if you have any further questions, please contact me at intentional underscore g on Twitter or intentionalgroundingff at gmail dot com. Uh, and you know I'll try to answer your questions before we get to a uh, Sunday. So to start, uh, first off, we are looking at uh, QB. And uh, he wanted to know why I had Newton versus the Broncos higher than Big Ben Roethlisberger versus the Skins or Carson Palmer against New England. And he states in here that even with New England... Missing two of their top three pass rushers from last season. Question mark, question mark, question mark. So, uh, my thought on this is uh, rather rather simple. Uh, for me, they went 7-8-9. Uh, Cam Newton going against Broncos. Going at the Broncos. I feel that with him, uh, he is able to do more with less, as we saw from last year. He's able to get around and run uh, when he needs to. And he, personally, between him and Big Ben, I think that he's able to do more with the average squad that he has than what Big Ben is able to do now, having the best wide receiver in the game. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you're looking at basically Kelvin Benjamin, who is supposedly going to be on a pitch count, Devin Funches. And then you've got uh, you know Jonathan Stewart and Greg Olson there. And then you look at what uh, Pittsburgh has. And they've got Antonio Brown, which is great. And then they have Eli Rogers, Sammy Coates, Jesse James, and D'Angelo Williams. And the only guy out of that list besides Antonio Brown that kind of excites me is D'Angelo Williams. So, for me, I would much rather have... Uh, Carolina in that. And then as far as discussing uh, Carson Palmer, my concern is that Carson Palmer is going to kind of implode a little bit to start off the season. He had a bad end to the season, and he also didn't have the best start to the preseason. Uh, Couple that with the fact that I expect uh, Arizona to take an early lead just due to their overall offense, and when they when you when you get a lead on new England i I don't know about you but i I would want to sit on it, <laughs> so what I imagine happening is you know the second half of the game if they have a lead as long as it's a decent enough lead, I think they're going to try to run the ball as much as possible, which is going to cap really any kind of um Momentum that Carson Palmer could carry. So out of that offense, I obviously do like uh, Michael Floyd the best. And I think David Johnson's going to do awesome this week, especially if you're in a PPR league. So (laughs) I think he's going to have a big week. Uh, So that was his only quarterback question. Moving into the running backs, he's got three questions for me. First one being, why is Crowell unranked? Well, in all honesty, for me, Crowell is the second part of the two-man show in Cleveland. Now, I think that he may ultimately get more touches as far as more runs uh, throughout the whole entire season, but I think that I, one, of the, one of the narratives you're going to hear a lot during all of these from me is going to be scheme-dependent. And the difference between Crowell versus Duke Johnson in this, is that Duke can also catch the ball. Now, Crowell can catch the ball, but Duke is the more explosive back, and so I think you're going to see him on the field more, which makes me want to rank him more. And, I mean, looking at... I had I only had Duke at 24, so it's not like I have him being super high. Uh, and I only ranked 31 guys. For me, Crow was actually 34 on my list, but I figured at that point, um, you know, unless... Unless you're stuck playing Crowell, he's flex at best. He's not going to be one of your two starters. And that pains me to say as a Browns fan because, uh, man, Crowell turning out right would be awesome. It would be a win, and <laughs> the team needs a win. Uh, second on the list is TJ Yeldon. I have him ranked, and he asks, well, am I worried about um, Chris Ivory? Uh, Well, first things first, he's got a uh, Chris Ivory has a hamstring issue that he's dealing with, so he may see limited play time. Uh, But secondly, even if he was in, I have T.J. Yeldon at 25, and initially I had Ivory sitting just on the outskirts of that 31. For me, it's basically it's real simple. T.J. Yeldon is going to be their back when it comes to needing to run the ball between the 20s. Ivory is going to be your short yardage back if needed, and he's also going to be your goal line and you know getting deep into the red zone. So in my mind, I think you're going to see Yeldon end up being this, the 60%. And so for me, I need to rank him above what Ivory can do because, frankly, Ivory comes across being a little touchdown-dependent. Whereas, even though Yeldon wasn't able to score touchdowns last year, he still came in in the top, I want to say top three, ever, for fantasy points at running back without really scoring. Uh, as far as um, rookie running backs, let me clarify that. <laughs> Either he no, Nowhere near did, <laughs> did he come in top three for running backs in general. I apologize. <laughs> Uh, finally on that list, he has C.J. Anderson, the top 15 versus Carolina. He is curious as to why I have that on here, and I think, uh, I think it's real simple. C.J. Anderson is going to be used a lot by Denver because they're going to need to mask Trevor Simeon. Uh, he was the best option that they had, but let's be honest. There are probably 26 quarterbacks in this league that could do a better job starting for that team than Trevor Simeon could, and uh, one of those guys may be his backup, Paxton Lynch. Uh, and uh, But it is, one note, though, and caveat to the whole entire thing is it is kind of funny that Mark Sanchez was released and quickly swooped up by Dallas. Uh, not to say that I think that he could do anything against Trevor Simeon. He had all offseason programs programs and, and training camp and everything to prove that he could, I just find it funny that Mark Sanchez continues to get work. <laughs> uh, moving into the wide receivers, uh, his one question was pretty basic. You know, uh, do I, I have on this list here in my rankings, I have both Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb as top 20 guys. So do I think that that could be a season-long trend? And it's really going to depend and I'm going to take the cheap way out. Uh, it's a yes and a no for me. Uh, he could do it. Absolutely he could do it. If he has a year like 2014 where he threw for 65.6% completion, that was, his rating was 65.6, uh, he threw for roughly around almost 4,400 yards, uh, 38 touchdowns, five interceptions for a 112.2 overall rating. You know, Then last year, he had, on, on six more completions, he, uh, he almost dropped 5% in those completions. He threw for basically 500 yards less, um, for, and for seven touchdowns less, 31, and he threw three more picks. Uh, he dropped almost 20 points in his rating, so there was an efficiency issue last year to say the least, and the lack of Jordy Nelson was definitely part of that. Uh, so if he can play more like that, two thousand fourteen year, I see both guys uh, being able to do what they have to do to reach that twenty, uh, the top twenty threshold. Um, however, I mean, there was a lot of things that happened besides Jordy going down that caused that to happen. Uh, their O line play worsened. And if you look at what has happened with that guard, Sutton. Now Sutton is off playing in Chicago, and people are clamoring that that was arguably one of their best uh, offensive linemen. So you still have issues on the line, which could uh, cause your run game to falter. You know, it, it doesn't matter that Eddie Lacy was a big man last year and lost all this weight. If, if he's not getting uh, the best possible guys to block up front for him, he can't create. And so you may have an issue at running game again, and that was one of the key elements that kept uh, Aaron Rodgers down last year. So um, it could happen. Jordy Nelson coming back could give him that extra option that he needs, but he's also going to need time to create and allow him, allow Jordy to get the routes ran that he needs to make, you know, those deeper catches and keep the uh, defense honest. So looking at, uh, the, I got two questions for tight ends. Uh, the first one is he was super surprised that Julius Thomas cracked my top 12, uh, this was another multiple question mark <laughs> right And So I think he was really surprised. And uh, basically for me, Julius Thomas is on there because he's healthy right now. And I know that he's going to be out there. He's not in a committee at tight end. He is not injured. And he has a, uh, a quarterback that can throw the ball. And, you know, we'll be able to uh, dump off to him. I, uh, we we all know that Green Bay doesn't have the best uh, defense, but their secondary is not too bad and they are starting to uh, develop uh, their uh, inside linebackers like uh, Blake Martinez and everything. So there's going to be a soft center to that defense on paper at least. And so I wouldn't be surprised if you see, uh, you know, Julius Thomas, maybe even Rashad Green, you know, all seated, all just finding a spot in the middle of that defense and sitting and getting some points. So that's why he's in the top 12 for me this week, I promise you. It's not going to be a regular occurrence. Uh, and then finally, Clive Walford. He's unranked on my list. And, you know, when we initially did this last night, uh, my, my answer, you know, I, I, I didn't have him ranked because simply I thought that there was too many questions involving him uh, from his health. Uh, from his accident over the summer. And then also, uh, you know, he was demoted at one point uh, to another guy. And whenever someone gets demoted, kind of like, you know, (laughs) DGB in Tennessee when Sharp (laughs) caused him to be demoted, or uh, when ASJ had it done to him with Cameron Brait down there in Tampa Bay, whenever that happens, you, you begin to question if... It's If it's something that they're actually doing wrong or more so is it just the coaching staff trying to get, you know, something more out of them. And, and it's really hard to, you know, read the tea leaves and figure out why it was there. But those things kept me from wanting to put him in as of right now. Uh, it does look like he is doing full practice and it also looks like he is going to be the starter I just don't know to what degree he's going to be able to, you know, start. So with those questions, though, thank you, Noah. And uh, I hope you guys have a great day. And uh, like I said, my apologies once again, and we'll do do better next week.
1: As always, Luke, you are inspiring, and uh, that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. So finally, the cap is off. I'm going to take us through a couple of questions that we have received uh, in the recent times. So, got a question from a listener, DJ. Thank you for writing in, DJ. Um, which, which, uh, which quarterback, DJ writes, is going to be better this year, Jameis Winston or Blake Bortles? Uh Okay, so I'm a little split on this. I think that Bortles will be better because the Jacksonville receivers are better. Uh, I think Mike Evans is going to do great things with Jameis Winston, but Vincent Jackson isn't performing the way he used to. Austin Severian and Jenkins isn't performing the way he used to. I just think that the offense as a union is much better in Jacksonville. So I, I think the answer to that question is Bortles. And then... Uh, yeah, so I think that Blake Bortles is the guy going forward if you have to choose between those two. However, if you are choosing between those two, um, you're at a really strange point in your draft because Bortles is going way ahead of Winston. So this next question is a question we received way back on August 9th, and it is extremely dated. Uh, it's from our good buddy Scott, Scotty, Scotty, Scott, Scotty, superfan Scotty, um, and he sent this question, and it's changed a little bit since then. But the original question was, who has a future as an NFL starting quarterback out of Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, San Francisco 49ers, Jeff Driscoll, and Cleveland Browns, Cody Kessler? Well, I'll go ahead and tell you, Scott, I foresee Dak Prescott starting this year. Um, any Anybody crickets? Okay, good. So, uh, I think... Dak Prescott is going to be good. I think he's the future of the Cowboys franchise at this moment. That could change because, as we all know, Jerry Jones is in—he's always changeable. Uh, but they did invest in him, and he's going to get a chance to really prove himself, see how well he can do in a real game situation. Because good old Tony's injured, and he's going to be out for a little bit now. So I think Dak Prescott does have, have features of starting quarterback. Although, I will say in, you don't need to buy him in any leagues right now for more than a second if you're in a two-quarterback league of first. Um, for now, the San Francisco 49ers cut Jeff Driscoll, and he was instantly picked up by the Bengals. And he's sitting on that depth chart behind Andy Dalton and A.J. McCarron. Now, A.J. McCarron strikes me as an always backup. So, it could be that Uh, They're thinking past Dalton, the ginger Avenger. Um, Or maybe Driscoll is just their emergency, you know, just-in-case, break-glass quarterback. But I don't see Jeff Driscoll ever really starting absent major injuries to Dalton and uh, McCarron. Now, moving on to the Cleveland Browns, Cody Kessler. Cody Kessler, a lot of things would have to go wrong. For the Browns to start Cody Kessler. I don't think they view him as the future of their franchise, um but they're going to give him a shot to be. They've got r g three right now, um and I think Cody Kessler will be given a chance to prove himself next off season. He's not a world world beater he's not going to light light anything on fire, but you know he he could step up and make some good plays. So I don't really envision him being a starting quarterback in the NFL. Absent injury, I think he's going to be a training camp arm or a backup. Uh, but I, I think that there's a chance, based on you know how many quarterbacks the Browns have, have had over the years, that Jeff Driscoll does end up uh, getting some run at some point. Uh, but I do think RG3 has the best shot right now, obviously, because he's starting. So just to recap, Dak Prescott. Yay, he is starting. Thanks for writing. Uh, Jeff Driscoll. uh, Yeah, I I don't think so. He's never going to start. And Cody Kessler. He probably isn't going to start, but knowing the Browns, he could end up being there by week six, so we'll see. Anyways, well, so that's going to wrap up our podcast for today. Thank you so much for being incredible listeners. As I post this, we're about two hours from the start of... The uh, official regular season, uh, Denver and Carolina is going to kick off soon. So good luck. Make sure your lineups are set. If you have any questions, you can tweet at Luke and I. at Luke is at intentional underscore G. You can tweet at myself, at groundingFF. Or you can tweet at JoJo, at Jojo L Mags. If you have any specifically Dynasty questions, you can also write to us to get into our weekly mailbag. That uh, email is intentionalgroundingff at gmail.com. That is intentionalgroundingff at gmail.com. Uh, good luck, folks. We're here if you need us, but you know what? Because you've been listening, you're going to be great. Thanks so much.